What's up, everyone? Welcome to Adhering Apologetics, wherever you are joining us and however you may be. Thank you for making this a part of your day. Uh, we have a fun conversation today with Alberto um, Nungari. I guarantee you I butchered that pronunciation. How do you pronounce your last name? It's, I know, man. It's strange. It's uh, Nungari. Nungari. All right. I'll try to get it done. Um, he's going to be joining me. He runs the Urban Apologetics page on Instagram. On the coolest apologetics pages you will see on Instagram. Um, before we begin, I just want to say, as always, this show is brought to you by you guys. You can support the show at patreon.com slash adhereinapologetics for as little as a dollar a month. But with that out of the way, uh, we are talking with Alberto today. I'm super pumped for this. A uh, really cool guy runs a really good page on Instagram called Urban Apologetics. I encourage you to all go check that out when you have time. So, Alberto, welcome. How are you doing? Good, man. It's a... Uh, uh, Running an apologetics because man, it's a it's a blessing, man. You, you like it feels like a do like a du dual pursuit because, yeah, you know you're you're helping people learn, but yeah, you're learning so much yourself. So it's it, it's it's tricky sometimes too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, I can relate to that. Um, just starting to get into more of the Instagram side, which I've seen you've been doing. I've been following you for. A while with my like normal Instagram account, and I just started doing Instagram apologetics recently. But um, I've focused on some other platforms. But I'm really looking forward to this because I think you have a lot of good insight. Um, so just to start off, could you talk a little about a little bit about for someone who has no idea who you are, what you do, who are you, Alberto? Well, I'm. I guess you can say Mexican American. I was born in Yuma, Arizona. Uh, I currently live in Phoenix. Um, I was raised. Catholic, because I was actually raised in Mexico, and then about 2013, that's when I started going to a church that was non-denominational. But it wasn't until 2016 when I was like, when I when I actually got saved. <laughs> and for most of you guys that I like, know Paul Washer, it was actually through one of his sermons. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure you know how convicted he can be. And then uh, I've been running my page for about three years now. Uh, this May was actually three years with Urban Apologetics. That's awesome, bro. Um, yeah, I think you're at around 12,000 followers now. Welcome, Susan Lambu, Roxby, everyone else who's joining us. Um, so what was the inspiration behind, like, your apologetics page, Urban Apologetics? Like, what, what inspired you to start it? So initially, kind of a symptom like you, like, when you when you're a newcomer, you know, like, and I, I would say for most believers, like, they don't know what's apologetics. They have no idea what it is, man. And it's crazy because, as a Christian, I think we can practice it without even knowing what it, what it actually is. Because if you're speaking to someone, let's say you hear them say that Jesus was creative, you know, if you know your Bible well, you're gonna say, I think you're actually incorrect, you know, because the Bible the Bible doesn't say that, and just that in itself, you know, it's a defense of the faith. And back in December of 2016, just about three months after I got saved, I used to work in, uh, I worked for the state of Arizona. And uh, one of my coworkers, I, I thought he was Christian, right? Because he had the language, you know, the same verbiage, Heavenly Father, you know, heaven and everything. And then one day, about three months after he was morphing with me, he brings me Book of Mormon. And I was like, oh, shoot. I was like, you're not a Christian after all, you know? And 
I remember I took it and I read it. You know, I wanted to see what it was about. But ever ever since then, like I, I seen that it was such a false comparison, you know, to Christianity. And I really started to dig in onto Mormonism, and I would go to the temples, and I would go, I would go, I would go look for Christ, for Mormon missionaries. But that was what really awoke, you know, my my passion for apologetics, and I started reading and studying. And then, in May of 2017. A friend of mine gave me an idea. She's like, hey, she's like, since you're getting good at this, you know, why don't you start a page, you know, so you can teach people out. And uh, prior to that, I had experience, you know, with with youth, with youth ministry because I served for around three years. And then um, from there, I, uh, I started my page. And it's funny because in the beginning, it was only theology, right? And apologetics, of course. Mm-hmm. But then I started seeing how effective memes were and people were like you know and people you know are able to to identify you know or connect better through a meme because they're like oh it's funny but yeah i understand the content of it and from there man i like i noticed that i started getting a a better reach you know for followers and for people you know sharing my content so ever since then i've been making memes you know and sharing you know christian theology through them as well and honestly, man, it's been very effective, you know, for people to get, to get, you know, what the faith's about. And at the same time, you know, you're able to get like a good laugh out of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're doing some really good stuff. Um, Nichijitsu in the chat says that he wants to join, but he's trying to watch Vocab Malone right now. And he's being a little of a butt going late. Um, but Wait, who put that? Yeah, I mean, I. Nate to D2, he's someone who's always watching us, um, but he's like the moderator of Urban Apologetics, basically. They should really hire him. Um, he's just like, woke up being a butt for going late on his stream, and he can't watch this now. So I guess he just prioritizes vocab over us. So it's kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, so I was, um, so I was, I was listening to you speak. There was just a few things that were really connected with me one is how apologetics isn't really involved in a lot of churches um i grew up in kind of a christian background my entire life going to church and i never knew what the word apologetics was um until i was really 17 or 18 if you ask me who william Lane craig was i'd have no idea um things like that so it's just it's interesting how um christian bubbles can just kind of develop in a sense and we, we don't really address these serious things and your memes, dude. There, you have good memes. Like, if we're talking memes, um, you got good memes. And I, I agree with you about the power of a meme to communicate ideas. I remember I shared one of them on TikTok, uh, interesting platform, and I shared one of your memes, and it got like thirty thousand, forty thousand views. Like, it's just amazing, like how uh, with a with a meme you can have such a powerful impact with um, just kind of like a funny message, and it's just. It's it's a win win situation in so many areas. Yeah. So, and, yeah. Uh, you can hear me. Yeah, you go. No, I was gonna tell you that it's crazy, like how. And, and I'll tell you this, you know, a lot of people don't like reading, and and I can acknowledge, you know, I used to hate to read before I got, I, I was saved. And then, a lot mm-hmm. of people, you know, through the mean content. It makes me want to to see more because they're like, okay, now I get this. You know, it wasn't what I thought it was. So that's been really helpful too. 
Yeah, man, totally. Uh, so talk about a little bit about like the content you're doing. Um, cause I think really outside of the, the big names of apologetics, like a William Lane Craig or a Ravi Zacharias or like people like that, you don't really see uh, apologists on Instagram with tens of thousands of followers. I, in, in my opinion, I think you're the only one that's not like this, like world famous apologist that maybe will be one day. Um, so like what, what was kind of like, how did you grow? Um, what kind of content did you produce that kind of like you think kind of, uh, besides for the grace of God, of course, led to your kind of growth in bringing apologetics to this platform? So I think initially what I wanted to do was that I want to, so number one, my goal in apologetics is that I want people to understand one thing. Apologetics doesn't save anyone. And honestly, that took me a while to understand because I'm like, it's the, the power of the gospel, you know, that saves. I'm like, that's, mm. that's a true hope before God. But the way that I've developed, you know, now my sense and understanding of apologetics is that, let's say my main, regardless of who I'm speaking to, a Mormon, an atheist, a Catholic, a Jehovah Witness, you know, a Hebrew Israelite. My goal is that I'm presenting the message of the gospel, but I want to remove any obstacles and that's where apologetics is at, where you're you're crumbling their foundation, you know, and whatever they bring to you, but you bring them back to the gospel. And again, that's regardless mm -hmm. of who you're speaking to. And obviously everyone has a different way to approach them, you know, how you speak to them. But the end goal is that you have to share and they have to hear the content of the gospel in order to have hope for salvation. So now mm -hmm. when I share memes, you know, when I share apologetics is that I try to be as much as I can, very Christ-centered, where whatever it is, is going to point to Christ. So I think, and I hope, you know, that was the reason why I started to gain more followers because people were able to see, you know, that, oh, this text is not, wasn't about me, like, or it's not about what I thought it was, like, it's pointing to Christ, or, or you know, or it has relevance, or it has relevance to the gospel. And that's literally, Zach, my main goal and my main that I want, you know, to point to Christ, but at the same time, again, like what I said, like we, we get, you know, to have fun where we're doing it. Mm. Yeah, man. I, really interesting stuff you bring up here. I know um, one of the things I've been thinking about is I'm doing a debate in like a week and a half or so on the existence of God. And I was thinking about that debate and I don't want to just argue for God because I mean, you know, Romans 1, everyone believes in God in a sense. You know, we all have that sort sort of like um, foundational knowledge and things like that. Like it's one thing to believe, to know God exists. It's one thing to know about who Jesus is. You can even like know in your mind that Jesus rose from the dead. But if it doesn't connect into a, a belief and a repentance of your sins, it's really in a sense worthless. I think of in Revelation 2 or 3 where it talks about the lukewarm Christians like um, as apologists, it's so important that we get that connection with the relationship of God, um, stuff like that. So, trying to think where we want to go. What? Are, so, what are like some practical tips you could give for someone who's like maybe just starting out on an apologetics platform about saying? I mean, obviously, um, you and I both aren't like these crazy famous people with hundreds of thousands or millions of followers, but we're both, I think, in the tens of. I know you are, and I am in the tens of thousands. So we're in the tens of thousands. Sorry. Um, so what are some tips you could give to people for kind of like growing a platform? Like how do you do it in a God honoring um, Christ centered way? Like what are some tips? 
you really have to because if you if you really want to be able to reach out to people you really have to have a heart for evangelism because without that honestly you can't reach anyone man because if you simply have and honestly obviously it's a blessing you know but if your only goal is to help people grow then you're not really bringing you know people to salvation like you're edifying them which is a blessing but you're not doing the great commission because you have to keep sharing the gospel and making disciples and you you have to find a way to truly be able to explain the gospel because one thing that i've noticed is that people lack knowledge of terminology like you can use the word justification and no one even knows what that means. You can use the word, you know, saved, and it's like, okay, you're saved, but what does it mean to be saved? Like, saved from what? And I think that what really allows people to understand is that you're using the word, but, you, but yet, again, the gospel is your lens, you know, through everything else will make sense because, like, let's say you're a believer, you know, and you're focusing, you know, on, on eschatology, like the study men times, or you're focusing, you know, on, on proper worship. But if you don't have the gospel right, do nothing, that's what matter. It, it really doesn't. So as you're going to, to get into apologetics, you know, church, you know, there's so many people out there that are so good, like you said, William and Craig, uh, and there's even local people, you know, that again, that do the work, but they're not, you know, too known. Like, Bill come alone. He's a friend of mine. He's actually here in Phoenix, too. Um, James White, Jeff Durbin. There's many, many people that I've, I've seen that they want to learn, but they don't have the tools or they don't know people who are actually teaching these things. They, they don't. And ask anybody, man. You'll be like, hey, like, how do you share your faith? And people think that, literally, people think that giving your testimony is giving the gospel. And I'm like, no, that's 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 now you know what saves. My testimony is not gonna save someone, but it's the gospel again that what saves. So I've really tried to manage, you know, a way to help people to first share the gospel and then you know get 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 the extra content because again, the you can say, and I think this was actually Rabbi Zacharias, that only the gospel was saved, but apologetics. It's like a little pebble in your shoe. Like it's 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 gonna bug you. You'd be like, man, it's true. Like, like let's say you're a Mormon. You're like, man, that's true. Like, how can I believe I'm I'm gonna be a god when Isaiah forty three says that there's only one god? And it's 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 just the proper way to use apologetics, but again, to bring in a lot to the gospel. Hmm. So. I think a lot of the times, especially um, in people kind of in the, the Instagram circle that you're in or the TikTok, especially people at a younger age, there might be confusion over like even like what is the gospel? So like if, if I were to ask you, like if you could just if someone asked you, like, what, what must I do to be saved? Like, what is the gospel um, the message that we need for salvation? Well, if you're at church, uh, you will raise your hand. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I would say that. <laughs> I would say that, namely, we had to understand you know, our position before God because one one thing that I bring up a lot is that everyone believes in evil and suffering, and even an atheist, you know, would say that you know, yeah, there's suffering, you know, but there's something wrong with humanity, and 
when I ask people, it's like, okay, well, let's say if we got rid of evil, who we get rid of? And you're addressing a big question, which is based on theodicy, where is a state of good and evil? You say, if God, and let's say, if God, you can use if, you know, a lot, I mean, maybe like even believe in a God. If God got rid of evil, who would God get rid of? And that's where the question comes in, you know, because when I open the knowledge of the law, it gives people the knowledge of sin. Because number one, Zach, how can you come to a savior without even understanding why you need one? People, mm. people often have, you know, that understanding that the thing they're good people, the thing that uh, that what is righteous, you know, it's such it is at such a low standard. So when I gave them the message that see yourself for who you really are. We live in a fallen world and you know that. And number one, and I, I was another one is that you know you've sinned. I don't have to convince you. I don't have to explain you. You know you've done wrong in your life. And that's where I opened the law of God to say, you've lusted, you've lied, you've committed adultery in your heart, even fornication. You've stolen something. So what do you do with that guilt? Do you just simply put it away or do you try to work it out and go by your own little works? But God, if God is good and just and righteous, he has to punish sin. And I always use the scenario of their, their earthly court. If someone murders your family, what are you going to want? You're going to want justice. But if that judge says, you know what, I'm a loving judge, you can walk away. You're not going to be okay with that. So it's amazing how human beings have that sense of retribution or, or uh they have a yeah. They have a, a, a retributive justice system in their own, in their own conscience, where they want what is just. And yet, no one can live up to that standard. There's this a standard of goodness that we have to draw, you know, the line. So, there's nothing you can do. You have a no good works of your own. You're fallen, and you cannot justify yourself before the judge. What do you do? So that's that's where I open the gospel. So let me tell you, God in his mercy and his love towards the world, he sent his only begotten son, who is the second person, obviously, of the Trinity. He, God became a living being, came into the flesh, lived a life you couldn't live, kept all the laws that you have broken, and yet on that cross he took your place because the wage of sin is death. Any sin, any sin committed against God is so high that the only punishable action and just action is your death. But Christ bore the wrath of God. He died on the cross. And when he was buried in the 30, he resurrected, which means that the payment is accepted for the forgiveness of sins. And that's what I tell people, that if you come to Christ, you have to come to him for the right reason. And let me tell you, man, Romans 10, 11 says that the one who believes in him will now be disappointed. You don't come to Christ for, because you want a better life, because you had a good feeling, but because you need to be forgiven of your sins. And if you don't come to Christ for that, I was the people that you never actually came to him. But the gospel is that God sent his son to die for sinners so they could be forgiven of their sins. Mm. Yeah, man, I think... When we look at verses like John three sixteen or other verses, it talks about like believing in Jesus. And I think the point that a really good point that you bring up is 
what does it mean to believe in Jesus? It doesn't mean to believe that Jesus will give you a better life. It means to believe in him, um, came to earth as God and man. He took, he took flesh. He died and rose again for our sins. And when we believe in him in terms of acknowledging our sins and trusting in him as the um, atonement for our sins, I think that's what it means to believe in Jesus. And I think that a lot of times with um, our, our culture that, idea of believing Jesus is what what it means to believe in Jesus can be saturated. So what are the like some of the most common um objections or things that you see people confused about um in your apologetics on Instagram? Like what are what are some of the biggest things that you see that people either don't understand about apologetics or theology or, or things along those lines? I think that sometimes and this, this is, you know, where it gets, with some people, it gets tricky, like, and m mostly Zach, and I, maybe I think you are as well, uh, when it comes to my faith, my, when it comes to my theology, it's mainly reformed. Mm -hmm. And people typically just think that that's associated with Calvinism. And I'll tell you this, uh, I, I do agree with Calvinism, with all of it. And I just don't call myself a Calvinist because I just see that it brings a lot of division to those who are immature and do not understand, you know, what it actually teaches. So I'll just stick to, you know, to what is biblical, you know, and we can go from there. But I think a lot of times that people don't agree with the method of showing, you know, from the scriptures. They think that, it's all about, you know, your relationship. It's all about, you know, how you treat them, how you show them your love. But we can deny that. Loving someone is correcting them. Loving so, And even the, uh, the word tells you in 2 Timothy 3.16, even though it says all scripture, you know, is breathed out by God or is inspired by God, it says that it's profitable for what? For rebuking, for correction, you know, for reproof, and to equip us for every good work, you know that the men of God may be prepared. So in all those things, there's things that we have to bear with other people, whether it is correction, whether it is, you know, to reproof, you know, encouraging with the work. And some people, again, and I think it has to do more with like maybe bad experiences because when someone just, when someone sees something bad already and they, they kind of have like the bad taste in their mouth, they don't want to do it again. And it's true. Like I made those people, you know, who are, who they're all about knowledge and i've been stuck there as well you know where there's days we, like, and it's true man like the more you the more you dig into a podcast there's times you know where you feel stuck in your faith and you're like man like is this all knowledge like is this what the faith is about but yeah you know you, you have those moments you know when you truly have the relationship you know and you know that the father loves you through his son and but there's always you know Mainly, you know, my feed that people take something and kind of twist, you know, the meaning, whether it can be hell, whether it can be predestination. Oh, man, that's a that's a big one right there when it comes <laughs> to, to the faith. Um, when it comes to the Trinity, man, uh, about a yeah, la actually last year in March, I don't know, I don't know if you were on there, but I had a huge debate with uh, uh, his pitch is called Theology. I think Theology Questions and Answers. Mm. Um, his name is Elazar. Uh, he's he's the one that's Pentecostal, and 
that's the most uh, that's the most uh, the most people I had during a debate, man. I literally had like 120 like on there watching mm. because again, you know, the Trinity is a controversial topic. Um, the uh, the divinity of Jesus, you know, I've I've defended that so many times. Um, the concept of losing your salvation, and honestly, it's hard for me to it's hard for me to say someone you know truly believes in the gospel, but yet believe that the savior can fail. Mm-hmm. That for me is something hard to comprehend because I'm like, how can you believe in a savior that can fail to save? I'm like, because I'm like that 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 will make him not a savior. Um, but yeah, man, there, there's many different topics you know that I've addressed in my feed and. And you know, you, from time to time, you'll get your trolls online. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that we had a, a common troll um, a few days ago. Uh, I think about just about every apologist got the same troll, kind of saying some things that we never repeat. Um, so things like that are out there. So one thing I'm curious about is like, how do you? One of the things I've that you brought up that I think is really good is in apologetics, we get in, we get into this knowledge of trying to like understand things in, in terms of learning things, whether it's arguments or theories or Bible passages that support predestination or limited atonement or general atonement, whatever your position may be. I know you obviously probably are limited atonement, but so we get, we get this knowledge and it's all throughout apologetics and theology, but how do you keep that relationship with God? Cause I mean, sometimes you can get, stuck sometimes you can end up with doubts like how do you keep that relationship with god going through studying these like big questions um let me show you real quick one verse in ecclesiastes because this verse actually convicted me we're in july maybe like the end of may i i had that feeling again where i I was reading I, i think i was reading uh i was actually reading this book right here um, it's called uh, Roman Catholicism, the, the Salvation, the Bible, and Roman Catholicism. Mm. And it's actually really, really good, man. It's by William Webster. Um, and w- when I got to one of the other chapters, I was like, man, I'm like, I'm stuck there again where I feel like I have all this knowledge. But I'm like, but you still feel kind of like empty sometimes because... Mm-hmm. You haven't been abiding in prayer, you know, just spending time with God alone in his word. And there's a verse in Ecclesiastes 12, 11. It says, uh, actually, sorry, sorry. Ecclesiastes 12. Here. I don't know where it was. Okay. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 12. It says, and further, my son, be admonished by these of, ma- of making many books, there is no end, and much study is worrisome to the flesh. And that's why I was like, man, like, I, I, I need to stop putting so much time, you know, into these books. Obviously, they're good and edifying because it's the word of God, you know, which actually enables us, you know, to abide in him, abide in his commandments. You know, Christ says, if you love me, you know, Abide in my commandments and you should abide in my love because we have the relationship, you know, where I obey him, you know, I'm with him in communion, um, where we're in fellowship. And eventually, John 17 is someone, something that always brings me back, you know, to knowing that because Christ prays, 
that in the sense of communion and a relationship, it says, Father, let them be one just as you and I are one. And I'm like, I, I really can forget that because there's times that, you know, we're tired, you know, our, even our brains, you know, sometimes it feels like it's just, you know, it feels like a like bubble gum because I'm like, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm stumped. I, I, I can't, you know, I can't feel like I want to read more. I want, I want to be with God. I don't want, I don't want to just know things, you know? Yeah. So like, I mean, what I've done is that if I feel that separation from that moment, I put away my, my site studies on apologetics, you know, or theology. And I simply focus on the actual word of God. Mm. Yeah, man. I mean, I remember I was on the road for a couple of weeks. Um, this past month and I never, I, I try to spend like 50 minutes to an hour in the morning, just kind of in the word or in a few different, like not theology books, but just books about building a relationship with God. And I didn't have that for two weeks. And I remember just feeling at the end of um, the trip, very drained because the, the not how, when you don't, you can't have that word of God. It can really drain you um, when you're away from the word of God. And it's so important uh, for people like you and me in apologetics and theology. So, what would you say to someone who is diving into this topic but just comes into doubt? Because I think doubt is one of these topics that I think um, that needs to be brought up more in apologetics. I think that doubt is healthy when dealt with in a right way. So for someone who's looking at these topics and all of a sudden it's not just like a belief in the heart that Christianity is true, but they're also trying to believe in the head that Christianity um is true. What would you say to someone who's wrestling with doubts about their faith? I think mainly I would, I would, I would ask them like, there's a difference between doubting and questioning. Because I think that all, all of us as believers, let's say this, and this is a hard topic because I don't think we can fully, and no one can, no one can fully comprehend God's sovereignty. Mm -hmm. And that's honestly, when I, <laughs> and this is something that, that uh, the darkness of grace really helped me with. Because to me, the, the darkness of grace, it's like a study guide. It's literally what it is to me. It really helps you unveil not what they teach, but what the Bible teaches. And let's say this. Can, I, can we understand the fact that God's sovereign and he does as he pleases. He made all things before time. He decrees all things. He foreordains in all things. And yet, men's responsible for their actions. Dude, it. I see both, you know, in my life and in scripture. Like the fact that, like let's say Acts 22. So sorry, Acts, Acts chapter 2 verse 22. That uh, Peter said, you know, that God foreordained, you know, and plan from the beginning of the world, you know, the crucifixion of Christ, when you delivered to Pilate, but it says God planned it, but you did it. And you're just like, what? Like, how, how do those two work together? Like, it, it does, to, to our minds, it doesn't make sense. But we see both in scripture, the fact that God's sovereign, and yet men have responsibility, you know, for obviously for their sins and their actions. But when it comes to the actual doubts, you really have to, to turn that around. Because let's say this, and I'll give you an example, man, because 
as believers, regardless of your life, you know, there's some suffering, you know, and you might not understand why, you know, or you don't know the reason. So, and I'll give you an example. In 2017, uh, my, my parents got divorced. Hmm. And, um, but what was tougher for me was the fact that it was my mother and my stepdad. So it's kind of like, I'm like, really? I'm like, I'm going through this again? And it, it, obviously, you know, we're hurt, man. We, we, you know, we're humans, you know, we, we do have genuine feelings, you know, we suffer. Uh, we do ask, oh my God, like, why would this happen again? Like, I, I really don't get this. But yet, in that time of doubt, instead of just feeling sorry, you know, for myself or, or you know, or, or just staying there, you know, in that moment of, of pain, what kept me going wasn't the fact that, wasn't the fact that, that I was just, you know, there, you know, and I was doing hobbies, like, it was the fact that I was getting to know God on a deeper level, man. Like I, I, I turned my doubts, you know, of, of seeing, you know, why I was going through this to God, I want to know you more. I want to know your word, you know, and know who you are. And literally within those like seven months, you know, because this happened, this happened August of 2017. Like I got to know God in such a, such a greater way knowing his grace his love for me you know knowing the gospel more and because that's the one thing man we're never gonna understand the deep the deepness you know of what the gospel is because you, you even to today i'm like why would god ransom me why would god rescue you know such a wicked sinner and man i know myself more than anybody else man i'm like i i know what it, it, it's like you know, to deal with myself but it's it's that you know it was the moment of my doubt that led me, you know, to again humble myself and to say, God, I don't know what's happening, but I really, really want this to be for your glory. And watch, uh, I think a verse that really helps us see that it's Romans eleven thirty six, where it says, "For of him and through him and and to him are all things, to whom be the glory forever, Amen." And I'm just like. God, like I, regardless, you know, of whatever, you know, time I may doubt, the gospel brings me back to you. I, I can't not get away from that. Mm -hmm. So uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit of Reformed theology um, kind of at the end here. But one, one last question before we transition to that for a few minutes. Um, so what would you say to someone who says, Alberto, this sounds so amazing. The gospel sounds so amazing. But I just... I don't understand why why should I believe in God? Why should I believe there's so many religions? Why why should I believe that Christianity is true? So obviously two questions there, but how would you respond to someone who may be struggling with a belief in God or Christianity but likes the idea of it being true? Uh well mainly we have to define what true this because too many people have that idea that mentality where it's like, well, that's truth for you, but not for me. And I think that's such a faulty position. Let's say someone you know who, who relies more on um, on uh, being postmodern. It's literally the easiest foundation to crumble, because let's say someone that says, and it's funny because I actually had a uh, I have a friend who's an atheist, and one time he told me, he's like, bro, he's like, we're at the gym, and he's like, bro, there's no such thing as truth. And I was like, 
So were you telling me? I was like, you tell me the truth is that there's no truth. And dude, literally, he stood there and he's like, he was like, oh crap, like I, I didn't put it that way. <laughs> but um, there's either it's there's there's no there's something called and I really really appreciate it. It's it's the fact that it's the law of non-contradiction because that's that's honestly, man, that's that's true within physics and that's true within you know even the Christian foundation because either you're right and I'm wrong or you're right or back or you're wrong and I'm right or we're both wrong or we both can be right. Mm -hmm. So it's let's let's say when it comes to the true moment of what worldview or what position gives me the opportunity to say I am literally saved by grace through faith. Look at Mormonism. The the Book of Mormon in the beginning it literally tells you that we believe that we are saved through the law and the ordinances of the gospel. That's not grace. Roman Catholicism tells you that it's the works of the sacraments, the Sabbath, the Eucharist, and Christ, plus the works of charity. And I'm like, that's not that's not grace. It's really really not. You you can look at, at uh, Hebrew Israelites. Uh, uh, do you know who they are? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. I've, I've with vocab especially so oh, okay, yeah. okay so you can look at them and they'll say it's the messiah plus the works of the law because the the only thing that christ took away uh the sacrificial system of the law that's it and it's like can you really stand there and say i'm going to heaven based on the merits of christ you do you literally can't you you cannot and i remember one time i was telling uh uh, I was speaking to Catholics back in January, and it was interesting because they're a very knowledgeable man, and it's 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 strange to encounter that, where they actually know you know like the, their history you know, and they know. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been. If you, I don't know if you've ever read like like the Council of the Trent. I don't know if you've ever been through that. Very very minimally. It's if you read it, man. It's it's very very heretical. Like can, Canon 9, it says that if anyone believes that you're justified by faith alone, apart from any works, mm -hmm. it says let that person be anathema. Like let them be accursed. I, I read that's the part that I read and I was like, just like, wow, I, and, I had no idea. And I remember speaking to them and I was like, I'm like, answer me this question, please. I was like, the cancel of trend says if anyone believes that you know, let them be accursed. But yeah, Paul in Galatians 1, he says, if anyone believes in a different gospel that is preached to you, let the, you know even an I mean even a man or myself an angel, let them be anathema. So and I asked him, I was like, what what false gospel was that that Paul was condemning? And they couldn't answer me. And I was like, a gospel that says it's the work of Christ plus something. That gospel is accursed because I'm like that's not grace. That is not salvation by the work of God. Hmm. And I think they were kind of confused because they didn't know what, what I was talking about. So that's literally what I would bring into, man. It's because you know what you know what made me come to Christ, man, in 2016? Justification. Hmm. I never understood the gospel in that in that sense of a judicial court where God, because he put out his wrath in his son. And he was just, you know, because somebody else took the punishment. He declares you to be righteous, even though you're not. 
and that dude, that's how I was like, I'm like, my sins are forgiven, but yet God remains holy because, you know, he took away my sins. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's where it comes to, man, to justification. You know what? And let me tell you a funny story, man. Uh, back in maybe like December of 2019 or like in November, uh, but where I lived, there's a library and I was hanging out there, you know, and outside there was Jehovah's Witnesses. But it's funny because I actually went there, you know, to do homework, you know, because I was, you know, it was quiet. And I was like, nah, I'm like, I can't, I'm like, I can't miss this opportunity. I'm like, I had to speak to them. And it's funny when we were talking about justification and it was, it was told to Jehovah's Witnesses. I said, answer me a question. I was like, according to Romans 5, 6, I was like, who does God justify? I was like, the righteous? Because I'm like, Romans he tells you that there's none righteous. I'm like, what does it say? I'm like, he justifies the ungodly. I'm like, the worst of the worst. So I was like, so what does it say? I'm like, that the one who does not work but believes in him, he justifies the ungodly. And this is just crazy. He, he understood justification, dude. He understood it. But he mocked me. He said, so you tell me that everything that Christ did is given to me? And I was like, Yes, I'm like, dude, it's literally what I'm telling you. It's literally what Romans 4 says, you know, Paul was saying. And he goes, no, man. He's like, you earn it. And I was like, wow, man. I'm like, that's sad. <laughs> but yeah, man, that's li it literally, with any religion, Zach, it, what it comes down to, man, is the justification. It's literally what it, what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, I, I have a similar experience. I remember I was in... New York City. I live in the Northeast, and we had an Uber driver who um, was a Muslim, and we we got to the topic of justification. It's like, what does it mean to be saved? And I said something similar to what you said, and he responded with, "Well, if if you have fifty one percent good works, you're saved. If you have forty nine percent, you're in trouble." And like, I don't know. I just I heard that. I'm like, there's just no way that that can be true. That doesn't. It doesn't seem right. I feel like to be worthy of entering the holy presence of God, we couldn't we couldn't be ninety nine percent righteous if you can measure it in a percentage. It's just, yeah, man, the just the amazing just being saved by grace that we see in the gospel is just truly powerful. It's kind of strange how you like it. Kind of makes you wonder, like, like like if I if I was with you in that cab, I would have been like, dude, like, what's your measuring scale? You know, to say that it's fifty one percent righteous, like, yeah. what are you using? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, the Muslims that I've talked to about that is, they'll just say something like Allah knows um, he has the measurements and things like or something along those lines. I don't want to represent Muslims wrong, but I think it's something similar along those lines. And it's, it's been so interesting. I was thinking about, Is I probably won't get to reform theology, but I was thinking about Islam. I've been reading through the Quran. I'm probably, I'm reading in chronological order, so you go from like, Sarah 1 to Sarah 120 to 52 and four, it just goes all through when you read it chronologically. And I'm like 80% of the way through and something so interesting is just how different it is than the Bible. Like I didn't realize how um, in the Quran, it's just, it just says believe. It doesn't really explain things such as like justification or sanctification. I mean, I don't even know if Muslims have sanctification in their theology. Um, but it seems, it just seems like to me a religion that was made for men, just the way it's put out. It's interesting just how different it is than the Bible. And there's really nothing like the Bible. And it's crazy because 
one doctrine in, in, in scripture, you know, that to me is precious and to all of us, and it's what makes us a family, is adoption. Mm. And if you put that into the perspective of a, of a Muslim, dude, they'll hate you for that because to them, uh, I don't know if you know what it means, but they call it shirk, where if you have any association with God in the sense of a father, to them it's blasphemy because they're like, how can you say that Allah is our father? Like they, they, they see no relation whatsoever, but imagine like, I have the privilege, you know, like they say, Thomas, my Lord, my God. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's how close, you know, we can be to, uh, with him. Yeah, sure, man. Um, we'll, we'll go with one last question here. Um, and we'll, we'll wrap things up. I've really enjoyed this conversation, Alberto. Um, why believe in God? Like, I think, um, I think this kind of, a fitting conversation, um, a fitting, uh, fitting question to wrap things up with. If, so, if someone's just struggling with the question of why believe in God, I don't have a reason. I don't see a reason to believe in him. What would you say? So let me just break two differences. The reason why to believe in God, the God of the Bible, I think it has to do more with like coherency. And, but there's a difference between that and actually needing a savior. Mm-hmm. Because, there's people there. Like, like, do you know who was uh, Jordan uh, Jordan Peterson? Oh yeah, I've been listening to his biblical series. Oh, interesting stuff. So, I see him more as a theist. Like, I don't see him as a Christian. Oh yeah. And like, he dude, don't get me wrong. He's a brilliant man. He really is. But I think what he, he uses the foundation of the Bible to prove, you know, our, our worldview. And. And obviously, dude, like a lot of those things have to make sense because, and I like well, Robbie's example. Like, how do you know Christianity is the only true worldview, or or the true worldview? That within you know our our, our belief, there's uh, consistency, um, adequacy, and external relevance. Where, let's say, the coherency, like we're like, let's say everything we're right now going on, you know. The whole movement over you know, Black Lives Matter, um, people want justice, you know, or they want they want some sense of justice, you know, according to them. But it's like, what do you expect of a society that denies a you know that denies a biblical God, and yet they want they want something that only He can offer? And that's where I'm like, dude, you're asking for something that you don't believe in. Or when it comes, you know, to the consistency. Can an atheist be moral? Of course they can. But within their worldview, they don't have a justification for it. It's literally, when it comes to the whole uh, aspect of like sub, uh, subjective morality, like, dude, it's, it's literally van- uh, vanilla versus chocolate. It's, it's all it comes down to. So if you truly want to live in a consistent worldview, which has the origin for creation, it has the answer to evil, the answer, you know, to a, a true humanity, the answer, you know, to, to the problem of evil. Like, it tells you why that this thing's happening. It tells you how to conquer it. Like, the Christian world, it contains all the elements, the foundation and the answers for a true understanding of all things. And let's say, like, the whole aspect of a universal law. That, that literally exists. Like, let's say, like, meta, uh, let's say math. Dude, I hate math, but it, it literally proves you know God's existence. Where there's a there's a, an objective truth 
which is a, and it will be what you call an abstract law. Because let's say this, if I build a house and, and if I literally measure one part wrong of the roof, dude, the whole house is gonna collapse. And you can see the same thing with a, with a foundation. If there's something broken with your, your foundation, dude, it's gonna collapse. You're not gonna stand. And let's say this, the biggest sense, man, the, the word truth, that means something. Like, if I want to live subjectively, dude, again, you're gonna crumble. I, I can go to Walmart and say, oh, this bike here says, you know, $2.99, but to me, it's 50 bucks. Dude, yeah, get out of here. You, you, you're not gonna fly, bro. So, <laughs> I think the problem is that so many people want to want to go you know around so many things but in the end it's speculation because you can say what if you know or what if this but again you don't live that way you don't mm. yeah Alberto, this has been a really good conversation and really enjoyed this um encourage everyone uh if you're listening via youtube you can just click on the link go follow urban apologetics and if you're listening via podcast go follow urban apologetics on instagram great stuff man alberto uh, thank you for joining. Do you have any, any closing thoughts that you want to bring before we wrap things up? Yeah, I was going to say, man, uh, that tomorrow I'm actually, uh, I'm going to the Vatican. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just, <laughs> Why are you no, taking dude? No, I'm just kidding. Man. Uh, no, just, you know, to really, you know, like, again, my main point that I want to say through apologetics is that apologetics to the believer, it really makes us stronger in the faith and it builds us up. But I want people to know that apologetics is not what saves. And what First Peter what three six fifteen says, you know, to have a give it a reason for the to give a defense for the for, and the reason for the hope that is within you. That hope is the gospel. It's not me disproving evolution. It's not me, you know, showing that the Book of Mormon was copied from the King James. Like it's literally the gospel that saves. So just don't forget that. Yeah, man, great stuff. Uh, go follow Urban Apologetics on Instagram. Alberto, thank you for your time, my brother. You're welcome, man. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, I encourage you to go follow Alberto or Urban Apologetics. If you're new to here in Apologetics, I encourage you to subscribe whether you're listening via YouTube or podcast. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, uh, Instagram, TikTok, subscribe on YouTube, all that stuff at here in Apologetics. And if you enjoy, please consider supporting about $160 from full funding. You can support the ministry at patreon.com slash adhereinapologetics for as little as $1 a month. Alberto, my man, one more time, I'm going to say thank you. Really enjoy this conversation, man. You too, brother. I appreciate your time to man, and God bless you, bro. God bless. God bless, everyone.